Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a live Hermeneutics 101 broadcast. This is a live broadcast on the VBC 66 app, and it is Friday, May the 10th, 2019, and we are beginning this live broadcast at 9.35 p.m., Central Time. Now, this live broadcast is going to be placed in the Hermeneutics 101 or the Hermeneutics section of the VBC 66 app, and this live broadcast is being recorded to be uploaded to the Hermeneutics 101 podcast, which is available on Apple, Spotify, and a number of other podcast providers. So, this will be heard in a number of locations. So, let's get a, a number of things out of the way. First, this is a live broadcast, so I apologize if anything happens to uh, distract that. In fact, I made a horrible mistake. Uh, my phone is right here, and that's a bad sign because it will probably ring. Hopefully it doesn't, all right? I'm going to go ahead and pick it up. If it does ring, <laughs> I usually move the phone, but I didn't, and, and now I'm live, so it's too late. So I apologize in advance if that occurs. Uh, but this is a live broadcast, um, and we're going to be dealing with the subject of hermeneutics this evening. So for those who are listening to the recording of this on the Hermeneutics podcast, Hermeneutics 101 podcast, what I need you to do is go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store as soon as you can and download the VBC 66 app, VBC 66. Just do a search for VBC 66, all run together, no spaces. You can do so in the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. Download the app on the VBC 66 app. We have an entire section dedicated to, guess what, hermeneutics. Now, for those who may be listening on Mixler or some other uh, platform and you have no idea what uh, hermeneutics is, let me explain. Hermeneutics is basically the science, the art of biblical interpretation. To interpret the Bible requires the ability to apply the right methods of hermeneutics or the right methods of biblical interpretation. And there are two Two key factors to hermeneutics, I, I say this over and over again, there is observation, right? Observation, and then interpretation. Now, I know the people at Victory Baptist Church, you already know what I'm getting ready to say, but I'll say it again. You cannot, you, you cannot interpret something until you have observed something. The quality of your observation determines the quality of your interpretation. This is a very key principle, all right? So, hermeneutics is all about interpreting the Bible. Now, within our culture, we are living in a time where people are moving away from any allegiance to the Bible or any really concern with the Bible. There are many, many people in our culture today who are simply saying, oh, look, I reject the Bible. I don't care what it says. I don't even have a desire to try to change what it says. I just reject it outright. I don't need it. I don't care what it says. I'm just going to live my life as if the Bible is irrelevant. And that we're because we're living in a post-Christian America. People are moving away from Christianity. Okay. But there are still some who will concern themselves with the text of Scripture. Maybe it will come to the issue of 
homosexuality. And they'll want to debate and they'll want to argue that no, the Bible does not condemn homosexuality. That is a wrong interpretation put forward by Christians for you know, over a thousand years, and that they that they are misreading the text, and they're they're they are taking their homophobia and their hate for homosexuality and reading it into the text, and they will argue the text it nowhere condemns homosexuality. Now, of course, most people believe that if you just read the text, actually use observation and basic skills of interpretation, you're going to come up with a conclusion that the Bible condemns homosexual homosexuality like it condemns fornication, lust, adultery, and a number of other sexual sins. It, it condemns sexual sins, whether they're homosexual sexual sins or heterosexual sexual sins. It condemns a, a sexual sin. And to try to read it differently or to try to argue against it, sometimes, I, I don't know why people even bother to do that, but they will do so. There's another issue that is very obviously controversial in our culture still, and that is the subject of abortion. Now, many, obviously, pro-life people, many Christians will argue that the Bible speaks, would condemn abortion, therefore we are pro-life, we believe in the sanctity of life, and therefore a baby should not be aborted in the womb. But then there will be those people who will come along and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, and try to make some kind of argument about abortion using the Bible. Now, if you think it's kind of weird that they would try to make some argument about, you know, supporting homosexuality or homosexuality not being wrong by trying to reinterpret the Bible, if you think that's weird, well, it also probably sounds extremely weird or kind of radical that they would argue, wait, um, we can make some kind of argument for abortion using the Bible. Now, I agree that there are sections of the Bible that are that are very controversial, or maybe even shocking to people who don't read or study the Bible. There's things going on in the Bible that you're like, wait, what just happened? What did God do? And I understand that. But remember, the key is that we must observe the text and interpret the text to find out what it actually says, not what we want it to say, not to fit a social agenda, a political agenda, or a social ideology. That, that's not what we are to do. Our job is to open up the Bible, and, and it should be the job of anyone, Christian, non-Christian. If you're going to talk about the Bible, your job should be, okay, let me figure out what's in this text and what, and use the correct skills to interpret it. If you don't do that, then you're simply trying to use the text for your own purpose. And that's that's not, you shouldn't do that with any document. Every document should be interpreted in a way that shows respect to the actual words that are used. All right, that's kind of a lengthy introduction, but you'll see why I'm doing that in just a second. All right, today, I don't know what time it was, probably about four this afternoon, maybe a little, little later, I received a message. Yes, I did. And it is a message uh, that I don't have the source. I do not have the source here. The person who sent this to me took it from a source that they found on social media. I guess this was a social media post. Um, I don't know where it was posted. I don't know if it was, I don't know which social media outlet that this was posted at, but it's on social media today. And I guess it's a part of a larger discussion, but in the larger discussion, there was a section that is called Abortion in Scripture. Abortion in Scripture. 
And I want you to listen carefully to what is claimed, and then it's going to be your job and my job. Now, I'm not going to do it in this live broadcast. I'm just bringing this to everyone's attention. I'm going to throw it out there. It'll be our job to try to figure out, not just, listen, our job here, if you're a Christian, you're going to disagree with what this person says. But don't the, that, the wrong thing to do is start arguing about it. What you need to do is go study the text. This becomes an issue of hermeneutics. It's not an issue about someone being pro-abortion and someone being pro-life. No, that's, that's not the way to approach it. Christians sometimes approach things the wrong way. When a biblical text is involved, the issue becomes hermeneutics. Okay, how do we observe what's in this text is our observation correct? And then what, what method do we use of interpretation so that we can rightly interpret the text? This is very important. Let's read here carefully. Abortion in Scripture. Even though it is prescribed under a particularly sexist understanding of ownership and jealousy, there is a ritual for abortion directly in the Bible. All right. Now, there's a lot of presuppositions there. There's a lot of, in a sense, kind of, they're kind of making uh, all kinds of accusations and assumptions about the text. So let's go through all of them again. Even though it is prescribed under a particularly sexist understanding of ownership and jealousy. All right. He's getting ready to cite a scripture. And he's saying that this scripture is going to prescribe something that, that is prescribed under a particularly sexist understanding of ownership and jealousy. Now, of course, there's no attempt to demonstrate that. There's no attempt to prove that. The, the assumption is just made. Now, that already kind of tells you that the person writing already has somewhat of a negative it appears to have somewhat of a negative negative approach to the scriptures, which is perfectly okay because the ultimate issue here is the scriptures themselves. I'm just saying that he's kind of already already laying down his cards here. Now, again, this is taken out of a larger document. He may have already laid down his cards way earlier on. I don't know. So just pay close attention to that. Now, the claim here is that in this, I, this sexist understanding of ownership and jealousy, there is a ritual... There is a ritual for abortion directly in the Bible. All right. So the claim here is that there is a, a, a ritual, a ritual being that is prescribed in the Bible for abortion. Now, that's, a big, that's a big claim. Let's, let's see what, where they go with this. If a man supposes his wife has cheated... He may take her before the priest, and she, and should she be with child, then the pregnancy will be terminated on site by the way of a tonic given to the woman. All right, here is the claim. In the Bible, if a man thinks his wife has cheated on him, he can take her before the priest, and if she is with a child. She will be given a tonic to drink. All right? And once she takes this, the, the purpose, purpose of this is to terminate the pregnancy, to kill the baby on sight. Now, that is the argument. And they claim that this ritual is prescribed or described clearly in Numbers chapter 5, verses 11 
through 31. The claim is that Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 11 through 31, prescribes a ritual where a man thinks his wife is cheating on him. He brings her before the priest. If she's pregnant, she's to drink something which will terminate her pregnancy, which will abort the baby. Now, that is the claim. That is the claim. There is no exegesis provide. In other words, he doesn't start in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and work through verse by verse by verse by verse. I understand that. Not everyone will do that. I think that before you start making any claims about what the Bible says, you have to do that kind of work. But all right, let's see what else they go on to say. The key portion here is when it states clearly in verse 27. All right, the argument is that Numbers, numbers. if I said Deuteronomy, I apologize. It is Numbers chapter 5. I don't know. If I think I said Deuteronomy, so I apologize. So let's back this up just to make sure I correct myself because I would hate to do an entire live broadcast, listen to the recording, and realize I messed the whole thing up. So let me make this very clear. According to this article, again, that I was sent today, the argument is abortion and scripture. That's the title of this section. He makes a claim that in Numbers chapter 5, there is a prescribed ritual of abortion in the Bible. And they claim that this is found in Numbers chapter 5, verse 11 through verse 31. They claim that in this section, what you find is, here's a man, thinks his wife has cheated on him. She, he brings her to the priest. If she is pregnant, she is given a tonic which will terminate the pregnancy will kill the baby on sight, all right? And of course, um, yeah, that's that's the way they describe it. We, we could talk a little bit about what's in the actual text, but I don't want to get into that yet. And he says that all of that, this, the author here claims all of that is described in Numbers chapter 5, verses 11 through 31. Now he goes on to say the key portion here is when it states clearly in verse 27. So he thinks the key portion of this passage is verse 27, and he quotes, or the author quotes verse 27. I don't know if it's a man or a woman. When she is made to drink the water that brings a curse and causes bitter suffering, it will enter her. Her abdomen, if I can read that, abdomen will swell and her womb will miscarry. All right, again, he's quoting what he, 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 he claims. He's quoting Numbers chapter 5, verse 27. When she is made to drink the water that brings a curse and causes bitter suffering, it will enter her, her abdomen will swell, and her womb will miscarry. That's the claim. That's the key verse. Now, of course, the key verse doesn't, uh, any, nowhere in this does he make the following um, observations, right? Because remember, observation is the key to interpretation, okay? Number one, the book of Numbers, who is it being written to? No. Number two, what is it about? What's the historical context, all right? Next, who, this ritual that is supposedly being prescribed, who is it being prescribed for? Right? These are important ideas. Then, exactly what is happening in Numbers chapter 5, verse 27, again, which the author claims is the key portion. Now, let me read how he st states it. Now, I'm reading the article as it was sent to me. He does not tell us what translation he's using or she is using. 
There's no discussion here. There's no discussion here about the Hebrew. There's no discussion here. Again, let me read the way it is presented here in this article. Numbers 5, verse 27. When she is made to drink the water that brings a curse and causes bitter suffering, it will enter her, it will enter her, her ab abdomen will swell and her womb will miscarry. Now, obviously, we know what the key word to be looking at. We got to find what Hebrew word is being translated miscarry and the translation this author is using. He doesn't give us the translation. Now, he may, in the larger article, I can only go with what was sent to me. I don't have any fuller context. I'm, I'm going to try to track it down. But there's no, there's no telling me what, what translation this is coming from or what the Hebrew word here is for miscarry. Last paragraph. Now, again, this is a rule made thousands of years ago and is rooted in spousal ownership and is hardly an example of living relationships. It's also removing choice from the woman and gives the spouse the right to miscarry her child, which is obviously problematic, and therein lies the danger of taking Scripture literally. All right, clearly, this one doesn't want to take this entire story literally. All right, and well, if it, let me make this very clear, because here's a logical fallacy here. If, if you're not going to take it literally, then this is not an abortion in Scripture, because no abortion could have occurred, no miscarriage could have occurred, because guess what? It's all symbolic. So is this a ritual that actually prescribed a man whose wife who actually cheated on him be brought in front of an actual priest and be given an actual tonic in order to cause an actual abortion? Because that would be the literal rendering of it according to the way he's arguing or she is arguing. But then they come back and say, well, this, uh, this is obviously pro problematic and therein lies the danger of taking scripture literally. Well, are you taking it literally or are you taking it symbolically? Are you taking it literally or are you taking it symbolically? Like on one side, they're making an argument, look, abortion is being prescribed in the Bible and then comes along and says, that's the problem of taking it literally. Okay, well, if you're not going to take it literally, why doesn't the author then prov provide me this symbolic interpretation of all of this? Like, the whole chapter would make no sense if this is a, a symbolic thing. Like, I, I don't even understand the article, but let's go back. Let's finish this. However, let me, I'll read this whole paragraph again so that we have it. Um, there's no, you know, no one feels like I'm, I'm manipulating the words. Now, again, this is a rule made thousands of years ago and is rooted in spousal ownership and is hardly an example of living relationships. It also removes choice from the woman and gives the spouse the right to miscarry her child, which is obviously problematic, and therein lies the danger of taking Scripture literally. However, it does shed light on the fact that there are circumstances when even in the Scripture, a prescribed miscarriage or abortion is used as a remedy to an unwanted pregnancy. Whoa, there is so many assumptions. There's just so much happening here that I don't even know how to take this apart in this very brief broadcast. So let's back up and take a deep breath. All right, here's what we need to do. We're going to do hermeneutics, but the way I like to do hermeneutics is not to teach people to do hermeneutics. I like to challenge people to do hermeneutics. I like to give them the ability to do the hermeneutics because the way you learn hermeneutics is by doing them. You don't learn hermeneutics by listening to someone teach you how to do them. Now, 
while you're being taught, you've got to be doing them. The key is doing hermeneutics. Now, I, I do understand you have to have someone teach you the principles, but all right. So this is what we need to do. All right, here we go. Are we ready? I'm going to give you your steps that you need to take. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you any answers, but let's step back. First thing we need to do. Number one, you need to determine who was numbers written to, what was the purpose of the writing, and what was the historical context of the writing. To whom was numbers written to, right? Why was it written? What was its purpose, right? And what is the historical context, right? Those are three key things. First, we need, to make, we need to make key observations about the book of Numbers. You can do that quickly with, if you have a study Bible, you can read the introduction. You can look online for a Bible dictionary. Members of BBC, there's Bible dictionary sitting up at the pew at the church. Get a key and drive up there and get one, okay? All right? Go get one now. But there, there's Bible dictionaries online for free, so you can use those for tonight. All right, unless you take your Bible dictionary home, then, then, then you're smart, okay? All right, so we need to figure that out about the book of Numbers. We need basic observational skills to the book of Numbers. We need to know, okay, to whom was it written? What was its purpose? And what's the historical setting? All right, now once we figure that, then what we need to do is read Numbers 5, 11 through 31. Numbers 5, 11 through 31, and as you read it, you need to make clear observations of what is actually happening in the text. What is the text actually? Your observation. So this is what you would do. You would read Numbers 5, 11 through 31, and you would outline it. And when I outline it, you want a detailed outline that you have everything that happens. You're not interpreting it. You're outlining it. You're observing it. You can't interpret it until you observe it. So read Numbers 5, 11 through 31, read it carefully, and write out what is happening. Point, you know, like if you, let's say you break it down to four points, point one, and then make sure you have subpoints that account for everything that occurs in the text. The quality of your observation will determine the quality of your interpretation. Poor observation, poor interpretation. Right? So we need the background. We need the we need an observation of Numbers chapter 5, all right? Now, after you have done that, the third thing you need to focus on, according to this author, in verse 27 of Numbers chapter 5, that it speaks of the woman's womb having a miscarriage or the, what is in the womb, we could say dying, the pregnancy being terminated, and we got to determine what is the Hebrew word that this person's translation is being, is being called a mis, to, to miscarry, causing the womb will miscarry. What is that Hebrew word? Does the Hebrew word literally lead us to translate it miscarriage, miscarry? Is that the case? Does the word, it does the English word miscarry or miscarriage occur anywhere in the Old Testament? If it does, what's the Hebrew word that is used? And does that Hebrew word show up in Numbers chapter 5, 11 through 31? We need to find out this idea of a miscarriage or the idea of, of, of a baby dying in the womb. What, what's the Hebrew word used and where is it used elsewhere in the Bible to speak of a of a baby dying inside the womb, what is that Hebrew word? And does that word appear anywhere in Numbers chapter 5, 11 through 31? We got to determine 
whatever's happening to this woman in verse 27, is she, is her pregnancy being terminated? Is, does the text even demonstrate that she's pregnant? What's the Hebrew word for pregnant? What's the Hebrew word for pregnancy? Does that Hebrew word show up in Numbers chapter 5, 11 through 31? We got to figure that out. So let me repeat these. Number one, you need to do the basic a basic understanding of the book of Numbers. Who it was written to, what was its purpose, what's the historical setting. Number two, you need to do an observational study of Numbers chapter 5, 11 through, 30, or 11 through 31, doing a detailed outline. Number three, we've got to do some word studies. And here's what we're trying to figure out. According to this author, in Numbers 5, 11 through 31, you have a pregnant woman who's being accused of adultery, and they give her a something to drink, a tonic, which, which will terminate the baby, which will kill the baby. So we got to determine, is this woman in Numbers 5, 11 through 31 pregnant? Well, the only way to do that is say, what's the Hebrew word for pregnant or pregnancy? Does it appear in Numbers 5, 11 through 31? Number two, it speaks of, they claim that this text speaks of her, her the womb will miscarry. Well, what's the Hebrew word for miscarriage or miscarry or, or, or speaking of a baby dying, is it used in Numbers chapter 5, 11 through 31? All right, that is key. And then lastly, the last point, this author claims that this text demonstrates, right, that the, the scripture all right, let me read this uh, last uh, section again. However, it does shed light on the fact that there are circumstances where even in the scripture, a prescribed miscarriage or abortion is used as a remedy to an unwanted pregnancy. All right, now that is a, that's making a claim. And so here's the last thing you need to look. Even if we determine that Numbers 5, 11 through 31 is prescribing a ritual where a pregnant woman is brought in front of the priest who's accused of adultery and she's given something to drink to kill her baby. Even if we argue that that is 100% true, is it prescribing the death of the baby because the pregnancy is unwanted or is it simply prescribing a judgment and a punishment for the sin of adultery? Is it saying this pregnancy is unwanted, so we need to kill the baby? Or is this just showing the deadly consequences of sin? And under the, and again, numbers, we got to get the context. It, I mean, we, I can just start giving you some hints. Israel, a theocracy. Is this, a, is this basically the, 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 the rule under a theocracy that was supposed to happen to Israel? They're making the argument that this is showing, hey, that even in the Bible, they prescribe a miscarriage and abortion for an unwanted pregnancy. So, I mean, if they do that in the Bible, then why can't we do it today? If we can, if we can kill off an unwanted baby in 2019, well, the reason we can do so is because they do so even in the Bible. They are making some major claims right here about this section of Scripture. So I want you to work all of that out. At some point, we are going to do an intensive study of Numbers chapter 5, possibly Sunday night at Victory Baptist Church. I don't know. We've got so much going on on Sunday. 
We're going to begin a detailed study on the canons of Dort. We're going to begin a detailed, probably a 10-year study, verse by verse through Romans. I don't know when we're going to have time to do anything else. We need more church services, but we will work on this passage in Numbers. Because if this being posted on social media, we've got to address it. But we got to address it not in an argumentative way. we got to address it in a hermeneutical way. Oh, you want to, you want to say the Bible prescribes abortion to get rid of unwanted pregnancies? Okay. What passage do you have for us? Oh, you have Numbers 5 for us. Okay, well, you know what? Let's study Numbers chapter 5. And how do you do that? Let me give you the steps again. Number one, you need to do a basic overview of the book of Numbers. You need to write down um, who was it written to, what's what's the purpose, what was it, what, what, what's the purpose of, it, of the writing, and what's the historical context. You need those at least those three things. You can obviously find more basic overview stuff. Use the Bible dictionary, study Bible, get that information down. That's very key. Number two, what do you need to do? You need to do what I call an observational study of Numbers chapter 5, 11 through 31. That means a detailed outline of that entire section so that you have every detail written down that occurs in the text. You're not interpreting it. You're observing it. All right? Then, number three, what we need to do is figure out According to this article, the argument is being made that in Numbers 5, 11 through 31, verse 27 specifically, that this is a woman who's been accused of adultery, who's clearly pregnant. She's given a tonic to drink, which causes her womb to miscarry. All right. What we need to do is, is the Hebrew word for, for pregnant, pregnancy, is it used in Numbers 5, 11 through 31? And if so, where do we translate that word, you know, into English there, okay? And number two, this speaks of a woman, you know, supposedly having a miscarriage. What's the Hebrew word for miscarriage or miscarry? And is it used in Numbers 5, 11 through 31? If we can't find those two words, then why, why is the translation this person citing saying that the woman had a miscarriage? And what translation are they, are they citing? Do all the translations say that? What translation are they using? I can almost guarantee you that it's a translation that came out in 2011. All right, it's a, it's a it's a older translation, but they they kind of did a different another a new version of it in, in 2011. I believe it's the 2011 version. I won't tell you what translation. You go figure it out. Look at all the translations and go. Wait a minute. Where do we get that this woman is pregnant? Where do we get the, the fact that this woman had a miscarriage? All right? But we have to, the main thing we have to do is we look to the Hebrew. Forget the English translations. We need the Hebrew. All right? We need to look up uh, the Hebrew. And all you got to do is look up in a, a concord. You can go to Blue Letter Bible, do a search for the Old Testament, look for words like pregnancy, pregnant, miscarriage, miscarry, and then see what the Hebrew word is, and then look in Deuteronomy, and then see if that Hebrew word appears in Deuteronomy. It, it, it shouldn't take you long to figure that out. And then lastly, the last thing is we have to we have to make a clear distinction here. The, the conclusion of this article is, let me read it again. It, um, it, let's see. However, it does shed light on the fact that there are circumstances where even in the scripture, a prescribed miscarriage or abortion is used to remedy an unwanted pregnancy. Even if we agree... That in Numbers 5, 11 through 31, we have a pregnant woman who is being accused of adultery and she's given a tonic and it, that it does cause her to uh, miscarry her baby or it aborts the baby. Even if we say all of that is 100% accurate, is it still teaching that this was the prescribed way to get rid of an unwanted 
pregnancy, or is it simply prescribing under a theocracy in the Old Testament for Israel? This was God's means of punishment for that particular sin. Now, some could argue, well, that's not just because the baby didn't do anything, and that's wrong, and that's horrible. Now, we'd have to get into a discussion of total depravity, original sin. We'd have to get into that discussion. But that's a separate issue. You don't want to go there. You want to keep focused on what is this text actually saying? I don't think it's prescribing a, uh, a way to kill a baby that's unwanted. I think it's, it's something else that's going on. But we have to even determine, is the woman pregnant and does an actual miscarriage, an actual abortion occur? All right, Numbers 5, 11 through 31. That is your homework. That is your work. I will be posting, again, the recording of this in the hermeneutics uh, section on the VBC 66 app. You can listen to the whole thing if you tuned in late. And I'll be posting this in the Hermeneutics 101 podcast, which is heard on Apple, on Apple, uh, Spotify. It's heard all over the place. So um, it'll be in a number of locations for people to consider. This is a controversial subject. I know it's a controversial subject. You're dealing with abortion. I mean, you're going to get emotions. You're going to get people upset. We're not, I'm not here to argue abortion. What I'm here to argue is here's an article being posted on social media claiming, hey, the Bible even prescribes a way to get rid of an unwanted pregnancy by aborting the baby. Even the Bible prescribes it. Whoa, slow down, slow down, slow down. This becomes a hermeneutical debate. This is not a debate about abortion. Um, uh, under this social media post, there were all kinds of Christians yelling at the person, you know, basically saying they're going to go to hell and, and that abortion is evil. And I want, I, you know, I, the person who contacted me about this, I wanted to say, man, you need to get back on social media and tell these people, this is an argument about hermeneutics. Don't get into an argument about abortion. This is how, Deut uh, I keep saying Deuteronomy, Numbers chapter 5 is being handled. Is it being handled correctly? So before we get into an argument, we can't argue until we do proper hermeneutics. And the first part is observation. I've given you all the observations you're supposed to do. Once we get all of those observations, guess what? It's going to be easier to interpret because now we're going to know the context and uh, the background for numbers. We're going to know everything in that section. We're going to observe the scriptures and we're going to know what Hebrew words are being used or not used. So that'll give us a better understanding and how the, the entire section should be translated. And then we can uh, you know, argue against the logic of that claim made in the last paragraph of that article that I'm not going to read again. All right. Little hermeneutical exercise, a little hermeneutic challenge on this Friday evening. I would challenge you this. If you do the work, man, let me know what you find. You can email me at newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, or you can use the feedback tab on the VBC 66 app. And what I will probably do is I may be posting some sermons on the VBC 66 app dealing with Numbers chapter 5 to offer some different perspectives on this. All right, I'll stop. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Um, I don't know who you are. I don't know how you're listening. If you're listening on the VBC 66 app, please let me know who you are. Again, the feedback tab or newsif at yahoo.com. If you're listening via, via Mixler, I always feel bad for the people tuning in on Mixler because they're probably looking for something far different than, I don't know, a devotion, 
a sermon or a hermeneutical thought. I know Mixler is typically used for music. So if you are listening there, hey, thanks for at least sticking around. A lot of people come in and go, whoa, 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 whoa. That, what's, what's that? And run. So thank you for sticking around. And whoever you may be, please, 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 if you do not have the VBC 66 app, take just a few minutes. Go to the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, do a search for VBC 66, no spaces, uh, get the app, and then you have access to everything in the hermeneutic section, church history, and everything else that's posted there. All right, thank you for listening. Have a great night. And well, Numbers chapter five, you got some work to do. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's study it. And let's figure out what the text actually says. Not to prove whether we're right or they're right, because that's not the way we approach the text. We approach the text to figure out what it says. <laughs> that's what we do. Not to try to prove a point. Uh, the only point is it's God's word. And that's not ours. So we have to figure out what it says. And then we have to deal with what it says, whether we like it or dislike it. All right. Everyone have a great night. God bless. Mm -hmm.